okay, let me get this out of the way. I didn't steal that donkey, okay? I, I borrowed it. And, and it wasn't even my idea. Jesus told me to take it, to, to borrow it, right? Um, okay, this is, this is how it happened. Um, earlier today, there was a large group of us, and we were traveling from Bethany to Jerusalem. We stopped just outside the city, and Jesus looked at two of us, and he said there was an unridden donkey just inside the village and asked us to go get it. He said, if anybody, you know, asked us about it, we could just look at him and say, the Lord needs it and he'll send it back. So the two of us beat it into town. And the whole time we were like, what is Jesus going to do with a donkey, right? But by this point, we realized you don't second guess Jesus, right? He hadn't told us why and we didn't ask. We just got him a donkey. And when we got back, <laughs> that's... That's when it. Uh, that's when it happened. Um, some people put their coats on the donkey, and Jesus got on the donkey, and um, <laughs> when he got on the donkey, <sighs> I don't know. It's like um, everyone started shouting and dancing and singing and. Um, some people were throwing their coats in front of the donkey. There, there was, there was uh, some of us that grabbed some palm branches and we started waving them in the air. And that's when it clicked. Jesus had finally arrived. Um, I know that sounds weird. That's, it, no, it's, it's like this. Um, in the past, we would get excited because Jesus would do something, a miracle, or he, there would be some parable, or something he said, we'd get excited about it, and Jesus would always be like, shh, come on guys, no, 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 nope, just be quiet, you know, and then we'd come up with some idea, hey, let's do this, or let's do that, and Jesus would, would be like, no guys, no, not, not now, not now, but today, <laughs> today was now, today he finally let us shout and sing and dance and treat him like the Messiah that we'd all been waiting for. He finally showed up. The Messiah we had been finally waiting for. Jesus finally showed up. But those of us familiar with the story know that they didn't get it totally right. It wasn't what they were expecting as he went into Jerusalem, as they shouted, Hosanna, save us, we pray. It, it didn't turn out that way. The conclusions they had drawn weren't going to be the conclusions they were going to experience at least for some days. You know, sometimes uh, we can find ourselves in the same place. Uh, those that ran towards Jesus were the first to run away from Jesus. Uh, they knew enough, but not enough. And they had come to their conclusions prematurely. They had been too fast. They had 
judge too quickly. They heard what they wanted to hear, but they didn't hear what Jesus was saying. There were other times where they wanted to make Jesus king. There's a time when he fed the thousands, and he slipped away. Why? Because he knew they had in their hearts to make him king, the king, the king of all. As we will look as we move through this Easter week, uh, some of you will read this in your own personal reading times. I encourage you to use Right Now Media. It's in your program. Uh, use version or whatever, and try to focus in on this week called Holy Week, and uh, set something up where you take 10 minutes every day and either watch something or read something. But this week would not unfold. They, they drew conclusions very quickly, and sometimes that happens for us. And uh, what do we do with that? How do we process that through as we look at life? Uh, I know uh, one of my favorite commercial series uh, is from a uh, insurance company, and uh, they talk about drawing conclusions too quickly. And uh, these may be a little bit light, but uh, I think they get the idea. Hello. How much are they asking? Well, that's a lot of money for a deck. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you're getting robbed. Uh, did you hear me? You're getting robbed. That's a parachute fibula. Doing it. Well, Senator, so we can be able to go home tomorrow. Daddy's gonna be so excited. That killed him. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, we jump to conclusions pretty quickly. We judge too quickly. And even those disciples that would be with Jesus for three years, we're putting things together the way they wanted to hear it. Some of us are new to faith. Some of us are trying to figure faith out. And so we're trying to figure out how all this fits together. I'd encourage you not to let those questions stay unanswered. See if someone myself or stop by guest services and see what's out there because maybe some of those blanks can be filled in. And then there's those of us who have known Christ for a long time, and we expect him to work a certain way. And uh, it doesn't happen that way. So, so what do we do with this? When it comes to Palm Sunday, this is macro. This is affecting the future of the world, in a sense. When it comes to our moments, they affect our world. But still, just as significant. Now, for those of you who are somewhat familiar with those little commercials, there's one commercial I have to show, and this is for Shelly, because I know she loves cats, and uh, I'm just envisioning characters changed a little bit, but that first meal where Shelly comes home and Bill's trying to scramble to get the meal on the table, and uh, if you know, Shelly has at least more than one cat, and uh, 
but this in this thing is just one tap but i could just imagine it unfolding like this That's for you, Shelly. <laughs> Bill, enjoy making spaghetti sauce. All right. Those are fun. But we've all been on certain things like that where all of a sudden those little lack of communication pieces become a real problem, especially in relational and you've got to remember that these disciples, they were so excited that finally Jesus was getting his due. Remember, they were seeking a king. We've been talking about that in our series. We'll get back to that the week after uh, Easter. But this idea of seeking a king, and in Older Testament, we get into the kings and their hope for the new future, and no king, even King David, fit completely. So here we are, fast forward hundreds of years, Palm Sunday, and they think, finally, we have this king. And finally, this king will uh, deliver us. There's going to be a restoration of the kingdom. Even when Pilate is questioning Jesus before he gets crucified, talks about kingdom language and Jesus says if I was if this was my kingdom uh, they, they would fight but this is not my kingdom so the heart the people of Israel as they've grown up and learned these stories were, were skipping over the suffering servant they were skipping over the Isaiah passages that talk about a king dying for the people they got to the good part where there's victory and sometimes we do the same thing. Now, again, as we think about these words, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, we pray. But then what also is interesting, and I, I tried to find a more stronger connection. I found a couple connections with this, but it kind of amazed me that uh, those of you uh, know that uh, the name Jesus in Hebrew is actually Joshua. It's said in the Hebrew way, but it's Joshua. Uh, so Joshua of the Old Testament uh, is actually his name is Jesus, and that means God saves. So it's interesting to me that as they're coming in, there is Jesus whose name means God saves, and at the same time they're saying, save us, we pray. And basically what they're saying is, Jesus us, save us, Joshua us. And so those two ideas are all tied together, and we we don't, we don't, that doesn't resonate with us. The root of the words are very similar. So as they're singing Hosanna, there is, there is pieces of that word that tie to Jesus' actual name that means save us. And they're thinking save us from the Romans. And Jesus is coming to save them from themselves. To save us from ourselves. We have that processional as it goes through. And again, they're, they're, they're jumping to conclusions. 
They're, they're jumping to conclusions. They're, they're seeing pieces that, that are there and aren't there. And that's why you and I need to be students of the scriptures. Because we can take ideas out of context. You ought to know who Jesus is. You ought to read those first four books of the New Testament regularly. That shows how Jesus navigates life. How he walks through life. We want the peace of having Jesus in our lives. But we need to have the lifestyle that produces that peace and we can see it. Some would say, well, I look at those four, first four books. They call them the Gospels. And, and they're not always, they don't always match up. You need to remember that these are four different perspectives. So they see things a little differently. Not that they were different, not that they were an error. It's just like if you and I went to, um, went to a, a, like, a, like a buffet and uh, there were all different kinds of food. And the next day you were at work and let's say your spouse was at their place of employment and both of you were describing the buffet. It might sound like a little bit of a different buffet. Like when I go to a buffet that has all kinds of good, good, good stuff, I don't taste salad. I don't taste vegetables. I just see meat. And one time, we used to do this Christmas thing at this culinary school, and they would have all this meat, and they would have all these you know, fancy vegetables. And I discovered they had this sauce called Grenache. And they, they had it like gravy there. And I just poured that over my asparagus, my potatoes, my dessert. No, I didn't pour it over my dessert. But you know what I'm saying. Over everything. It was just supposed to be for the meat. But it was over everything. And so if you asked me, what was that, that buffet like? I would say, Bernay sauce, the fine bread. And then somebody else might talk about it. And they might not even mention Bernay sauce. And you wouldn't say, wow, they must have been at a different buffet. No, some things jump out at one person. Some things jump out at another person. So don't let those kinds of things unnerve you so quickly. If you did, you would never be able to watch the news, right? <laughs> so different perspectives. But these are God-inspired. Different personalities bring different things out. So now when they were jumping to conclusions, they were not jumping to conclusions like just crazy stuff. There were passages that pointed to this Messiah, this restoration. Even all the way back in Deuteronomy, we have this verse, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. This is Moses speaking. From among your own brothers, you must listen to him. Scholars all would say that is Jesus. So they, they were thinking this. And here's a scholar there have been what they call the 400 silent years from uh, Malachi on. Nothing had happened. They were all questioning. And we talk about Elizabeth and Sarah, John the Baptist, mom and dad. Uh, you, you know, th these are faithful people that had stayed by the stuff, but nothing had happened for 400 years. And it's amazing. They just stayed by the stuff. There were a few that had stayed by the stuff. Because of passages like this, they were waiting. Very famous one, Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, 
righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Hundreds of years earlier, Zechariah sees this, and the people see this too. Donkey, why not a why not a big stallion? You know, a military rah 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 comes in. No, a donkey, an unridden donkey. And there's connection from Older Testament that this is royalty. But in Roman world, it would have been not a donkey. It would have been a stallion, something dramatic. So their conclusions weren't crazy. But their conclusions weren't right. So the application, I think, is we have to ask ourselves, where are our conclusions? Do we sometimes go way off because we don't understand uh, how God is presented in the scriptures? Again, that's why we need to know them so well, because we can do the same thing. What I'd like to show you is before the before the chosen, there was something called the visual Bible. So it's a little old, it's a little grainy, but what I like they do is they read the portions right out of the NIV and they act them out. There's no extra words. So in the bottom screen, you'll see uh, the chapter and the verse number. And if you were to follow along, you would see exactly uh, not added, not subtracted. They do a great job to stop and pause and make the dramatic reading without adding or taking anything away. And I'd like us to watch at the, Sometimes they call it the triumphal entry. Some debate whether it really was the triumphal entry. But they watch as they come into Jerusalem. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her cold fire. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted,
Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus comes in. If you're familiar with the rest of the story, if we were to look at Mark down into verses uh, 12, 7 to 12, 15, we'd see that uh, he goes in, he checks out the temple. He notices that the temple has become, it's supposed to be the meeting place with God. It's basically become a business. It's become a shopping mall. And he is just very upset about that. But he says, we'll, we'll deal with this tomorrow. And he leaves again and comes back in the next day. And that's the famous story of where he turns over the tables. And the reason he does that, you know, he talks about being a house of prayer. And the idea of prayer is communion with God, connecting with God. So the, 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 uh, the temple had no, was no longer a meeting place with God. And that, w- that was the issue, become a place of business. And so that happens. A lot of other things happen throughout the week. Thursday, he's arrested. Friday, he's uh, crucified. And just before that, uh, well, before we get to that, um, just, no, that's, we'll go with that. And just before that, um, we see that this is, this is the response. The, the general population goes from one extreme to another. Yes, there are some people that don't get caught up with that, uh, but uh, it, just, it just changes, it seems like, overnight, but over a few days, it turns into this. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Ask the government. They answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered. shouted all the louder. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility All the people answered. Think Pilate got off the hook? How many times do we, are we in a situation and we kind of like back off or we just go, it's okay. Not always, but sometimes we are aware of it. We just speak up and it's okay. So, conclusion. Everybody had different conclusions. Everybody had different desires. And sometimes in our personal lives, in our lives today, it, it doesn't, God doesn't show up the way we expect him to do that. Sometimes the God we expect didn't abandon us, 
Instead, he never existed. And the only way you know that is by knowing God through the scriptures. We can make God into all kinds of other things. We can uh, create a thinking that he's like this and where our conclusions are in error. They're, they're, they're wrong. Parts of it might be right, but, but they're wrong. And then we find out that we're disappointed with God because he hasn't showed up the way we concluded that he would show up. A well-known author puts uh, some of these things, calls them certain things, and he calls one of them the bodyguard guard, that uh, God will always step in and protect us. No matter what happens, uh, he is there for us. When you and I think that God will step in and protect us and cause us to avoid all physical harm, all kinds of harm, uh, we're in error. Jesus himself, on the night he was betrayed, prayed, if there's another way, plan B, he prayed that. And his heavenly father didn't step in. Now we know why, because there needed to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins. But if Jesus, the one we follow, faces just horrific times, we should expect that there are times where we're going to face horrific times. If we are Christ followers in another part of the world, we wouldn't be able to meet like this. Or on the way out, there would be government officials checking our names, checking the license plates around the parking lot. And someone would be showing up later on that week, if not that night, to, to find out what we were doing. And was our allegiance with this God, this Christ, or was our allegiance with the government? So, so th those individuals, they are just as faithful, maybe even more faithful than us. And that's the kind of life they have. God never promised to be a bodyguard, guarding God for us. He also doesn't promise to be an on-demand God. He doesn't promise that uh, you just uh, shoot up a prayer and bang, you, you've got it. You've got it answered. He's just, you know, you can kind of just move through your life until you need him. And it's not that he's picking on you. He's not saying, oh, now you need me, so now I'm not going to answer to you. But he's saying, w what's the deal? I, I, I step into your life out of relationship. So I want to answer these prayer requests out of relationship. When he answers positively, even when there isn't a strong relationship, that's his, that's just his grace. Even when there is a strong relationship, that's still his grace and that's mercy. But he's not an on-demand God. That makes me think of uh, this little movie from a few years back. You've got prayer. Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. Let's, no mess, downloading now. Five million just opened prayer requests. Sometimes we think God's on demand, and and all of a sudden we just start shooting these prayer requests, and and he's a he's obligated to step in and take care of our things. And sometimes we wish God responded like this. Okay, I had no 
There you go. Now everybody's happy. <laughs> Would we be happy? That's all another discussion. On-demand God. You read through the scriptures, New Testament, you see how God works with people's lives. You'd say, that's really not accurate. Sometimes he does. Right then, surprise, miracle comes through, but it's not a guarantee. Then some of us want God to be like a boyfriend or girlfriend God that is just on our, on our side all the way. I don't know if you ever dated someone like that and you would go to an event, cookout party or whatever, and that person is like glued to your side. And you kind of want God like that, glued to your side. You want no time where you feel distant from God. You, you just want to be aware of his presence. You want the chills that you get when you're at a ball game and the national anthem is just sung with just majesty and you're sitting out there. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. And the hair on the back of your neck just goes, doesn't really go, but it does something back there. I don't know what it is, but it makes you feel like, wow. And you go, wow. That's I, You go into a church service and you sing a song and it's like, again. But uh, anyway. But you want that, and God never claimed to be that way. He's not like your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right, always tugging at your side. Actually, uh, I had a girlfriend like that, and I, I didn't like it. I always got in trouble when I'd go to a party and go off and hang off with my friends, and all of a sudden, but anyway, it's like God doesn't claim to be that kind of God. Also, he isn't a guilt God. Some of us feel that unless we felt guilty, then we haven't experienced God. I remember one time speaking, and uh, there was a grown adult. And she was you know, in her 40s or whatever, and she comes up afterwards and says to me, Dave, that was the best message ever. She was a pastor's kid. I go, well, thank you. And she goes, it made me feel so guilty. Ooh, that didn't make me feel good. I'm, my job's not to make you feel guilty. And you think God's just kind of like there to make you feel bad. You leave church, you feel bad about your life, you feel guilty. Yeah, sometimes, as we talked about last week, there is repentance, there is conviction. But he's not like the guilty God. When we mess that up, we think about that's all he's about. Uh, sometimes we think he's the anti-science God, that science and God don't connect it's not a virtue to understand quit thinking quit thinking and start believing and i'm going to tell you that if you take the time and really give a fair shake to science and just don't go finding fractions people that really aren't scientists but make scientist statements say oh yeah i've studied science but I think you can find that science backs up God more than you ever think. And the times and the places where it doesn't, there's still a misunderstanding. And as things come unfold, you're going to find that science and God match together. The first major Christian, the first major scientists were Christians. They were Christ followers. And I think you'll find that over and over again, that the two actually do complement each other. They're not diametrically, diametrically opposed from each other. So he's not the anti-science God. 
you as a Christ follower need to be a thinking person. You need to digest, you need to understand truth, you need to understand how these things go together. And when something doesn't fit, you need to be honest and not manufacture some spiritual answer that really doesn't have traction. Just say, I don't know how that fits together. I don't know, but I know this, know this, know that. Because if you really talk to scientists, they don't know. There are big gaps in their thinking. And um, sometimes even some of the most renowned scientists continue to see intelligent design in the world. They may come to completely different conclusions, but they see this couldn't just happen. That's sometimes where you hear these kind of on the fringes will say, there must have been aliens that introduced life to the planet because this it's just too complex for it just to happen. So don't think that God is an anti-science God. You need to throw yourself in and discover that he's not. Also, this kind of goes along with this a little bit, the gap God. Wherever there's a gap, you just kind of throw God into the mix. If it's unexplainable today, you know, you just kind of like use some spiritual language and just throw God in there. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what you use him for. But what's amazing is some of the things that are unexplainable today in a couple years or longer will be explainable. So you need to be very, very careful with that. You know, when our conclusions are not accurate, there is a hole. We can fill it with trust or suspicion or something worse. So there is a point where we trust. We say, I don't understand how these two to come together, but I know they two to exist. There are things in, in theological world, in, in church world, where, where, where they don't seem to come together. We've talked about this. I, I don't understand and I don't think you understand either. You may have some like models that look like it, maybe, but the, all those models broke da- break down. I don't understand how can there can be one God and three persons. I don't understand that. I've said this before. I would be easier for me to say there's three gods that just get along really good. But that's not what the scriptures teach. One God and three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I can't get my mind around that. I can't get my mind around how God exists outside of time, that he's not limited time. Everything in my life is time, day after day after day. Not so with God. Transcend time. I, 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 can't, I can't figure that out. I can't get my mind around that. That's not my experience. So, again, there are areas where you, you trust but you're not going to find that it could just blows the door out of thinking. Again, some of those first major scientists were Christ followers, great thinkers, and you can still find those individuals today if you look for it. So, jumping to conclusions, not having all the information, making God into what we want God to be, what do we do? I want to say we need to live in anticipation. We want to live in anticipation. We want to live that God is a part of life, and we may not figure it out. When they're going into Jerusalem, living in anticipation, not making God be who you want him to be, especially when the scriptures teach something else. And for them, you know, it had been that 400 years of silence, 
For some of us, it's been a little bit silent. Maybe, you know, it's been months, years, and you just feel like, where is God in my life? Live in anticipation, and that's not just being a Pollyanna view. There are books written, and you can write this down, of dark, dark days of the soul. And some of the great dead guys that wrote volumes of things talk about these moments that were a long period of time where they feel like God was absent from their lives. But they would lean in rather than lean out. And they get to the other side of this. There's a lot of writing about that. You can check that out if you... I've got a couple books I could probably send your way if you have any questions about that. Email me about that. We need to realize that God's denials are not necessarily, or God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. They were holding on for the Messiah. And if that Messiah had come and reestablished a kingdom, those people and we would be left wanting. We needed a Savior that restored our relationship with God. We needed to get out of the sacrificial business. He was the Lamb of God, one and done, when he died for our sins and rose again. Much better system. They didn't realize that even when he leaves, he says, I have to leave so that the Spirit will come. It will be better when the Holy Spirit is a part of your life than if I was boots on the ground. And again, that's something I, I don't totally get. I would rather have Jesus, you know, teaching this morning, wouldn't you? You absolutely would. Hey, come on up, Jesus, you know, and he just talks, and wow, that'd be great. He did. The Spirit is better. We can make a difference with the Spirit. Don't totally get that. His delays, we read in Romans, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it. It's like strengthening a muscle until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. This life is preparing us for the next chapter in life. This isn't all she wrote. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so you and I, as we have to lean into our relationship with God, just prepares us for the next chapter of life, eternity, where we will be with him forever. So you may say, delay Denial, what's that mean? No, if you've said yes to Christ, the deny the delay is 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 got its days, has its days numbered. If you've said yes to Christ, whatever is lacking in your life, whatever is causing you hurt in your life, whatever is breaking your heart, someday that will be taken care of. Every tear we read in Revelation will be wiped from our faces. The idea that it will be covered, next chapter of life. So that's where we're moving towards. Some slower, some faster, but that is where we are moving towards. Do we live like this is it? Or do we live like the next chapter is it? Many delays are divine delays. God has 
a purpose for a not yet. He has a purpose for that. He may be doing something in your life, in my life. Don't have the conclusion that he's just taking a nap. His delays create some things. I don't know about you, but there's no better delay, and I please don't do this right now, Lord, than a financial delay, you know? You're, you're trying to sell something. I remember one time we had this mobile home, and we, had, we were living in a different place. We were making payments on it, and it was killing us. And it took nine months. And you may say, that's a deal to get that. But we were going down. But God did something in us, changed us. So that delay was actually for a divine thing to happen in our lives. Some of this was designed, but in the beginning it wasn't. Uh, you know, eight years before we started having babies, and then boom, 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 twins, 18 months later, number three, and then Mariah's middle name is all done. So, but for eight years, you know, the delay was doing something, not in us, my parents. They were not ready to be grandparents. They weren't mature enough. And so once they became mature enough, then we started having babies, boom, 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 boom. Seriously. Some of the delays in your life, some of the delays in my life are doing something inside of us. And it may not feel good, but we hold on to it. Not a fakey way, oh, Jesus is, you know, da, 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 you know. No, they're, they're doing, they're changing our heart. They're changing our connection. They're making us look towards the next chapter of life. They're causing us to invest in the next chapter of life. So it's a passage to say this world is passing away. And as we look at the global situations, wow. And it shouldn't scare you. If you've said yes to Christ, your eternity is secure, guaranteed. And the only thing that scares me is that I want to see some of my friends go get So the longer you're on the planet, the longer you have the opportunity to come to Christ. Once that opportunity's gone, take that. But until that opportunity's gone, I want, even if it's not fun, even if it's not happy, I want to be able to point to Christ. And I've seen it in you too. Some of you folks who are older and have all these aches and pains and go, I remember this lady who was in her, like her mid-90s and she would say, I don't know why the good Lord keeps me around. Because you still got some work to do, Isabella. And that she had some work to do. And when her work was done, she went to the next chapter of life. Divine delays, they have a purpose. Kind of goes along, God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. Kind of got that from what we just talked about. When you don't sense action, it doesn't mean God isn't in motion. Sometimes at Christmas time, I like to say when God is silent, it doesn't mean he's still. You'll hear that again sometimes. He's in action. You just don't see it. Share the mic where you had things happen. Boy, you thought thing, nothing was happening. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 it happened. 
silent, but not still. There was action when it didn't seem like there was any motion. Another part of this is if God continuously met your expectations, he wouldn't have the chance to exceed them. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross on that Friday, that good Friday, it was funny, somebody was asking me the other day, right, today, why is it good Friday? Because it, it wasn't good for Jesus, but it was good for us. If Jesus didn't die on the cross, there'd be no resurrection. We wouldn't have Easter. We wouldn't have church on Sunday. We wouldn't have any of this. Some of us would be doing other things. Some of us would be in a temple on Saturday. It just wouldn't be happening. Resurrection Sunday wouldn't have happened if, if Jesus had met their expectations, if their conclusions had been right. So when we think of all this, we need to realize that unmet ex- anticipations either surprise or demise. They either surprise or demise. When you look at these um, anticipations in your life and they're unmet either they can just suck all the life out of you or they can surprise you because you know God has something planned he has plans and the plans involve blessing your life blows my mind I that's almost harder to understand than than the trinity than one God in three persons why would God care about you and me why wouldn't he just kind of do his thing stay in heaven and i don't know what you do but uh, just let angels sing to him and just be there and just kind of like look you know face another direction don't face towards planet earth but just ignore it this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly god loves us Because he has given us the spirit to fill our hearts with love. Saying this all the time because I want you to remember it. Church isn't about filling seats. Easter's not about packing this place out. It's about filling hearts. Filling hearts. And we hope that when a seat is filled, maybe the possibility goes up that the heart will change. That's the goal. Fill our hearts with his love. So with God, waiting is never wasted. I'm going to fly through these. Ask you a couple concluding questions. Are you waiting with God? Is that anticipation in there? Are you waiting with God or are you backing off from him? Are you, oh, I'm sick. You haven't come through for me. So you've just backed off. Or are you waiting with God? Are you waiting with others? Are you connected with other Christ followers? That's one reason we do community groups. That's one the blessings of serving on a service team isn't just to get a job done. It's to be with other people. And then other people with you can wait together. So are you waiting with God? Are you waiting, are you waiting with God? Are you waiting with others? And here's maybe the kicker. Is God waiting for you? Is God waiting for you? Are you just kind of, even though you're sitting here, your heart isn't being filled. You've filled a seat, but you haven't let him fill your heart. 
Isaiah, we read this. Yet the Lord still waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love. He will conquer you to bless you. That means he'll let hard things come into your life. Humble you so that you turn and look to him. Realize that the answer isn't within yourself or outside yourself. The answer is within him. He will conquer you to bless you. Just as he said, for the Lord is faithful to his promises. Blessed are those who wait for him. Because you can wait with anticipation for what the future has for you with him. Misplaced hope causes demise, whereas anticipation makes room for the surprise. So are you making room for the surprise in your life? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can see the response of those that were close to Jesus. And we can realize that they were human beings just like us because... (laughs) They ran towards him, and then they ran away from him. And, Father, I ask that no matter where a person is in this room, whether they've never said yes to you, that they would run towards you. They would run towards you in anticipation, anticipation of a changed life inside out, a process of that with the second chapter of life in you. For those of us who have already said yes to you, yet things just seem to not be clicking help us wait with anticipation help us to know who you really are help us to see how you have promised to work in our lives help us not to make you into somebody you aren't we thank you for the hope the phrases the hope of our salvation the hope of eternity this morning we sing hosanna god save us we pray and we hold on to the name of jesus god save us. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name.